Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome on to a post-James Harden trade edition of Hollinger and Duncan. Do you think this is the last this time? Is, this is our third one, time? isn't it? <laughs> It is, yeah, it, and it. I thought the second. What, what uh, if you're gonna just give your power rankings of just for your own personal enjoyment and intrigue of the mm-hmm. three hardened trades, first to Brooklyn in 2021, then to Philly in 2022, and now the 2023 version to the Clippers. Which of these sagas just did you find most utterly enthralling in your coverage? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna say the first one because that was that was one the more where he was he was truly hell bent on mailing it in, where he was just <laughs> you know hanging out in Atlanta and staying out all night and whatever, and you know that 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 was one where it was it was I am definitely 100% done here, and I give no f's at all, and you need to get me out of here, and he was still good enough that he had the leverage to to completely do that. I mean, this time around it was. It was almost a little sad because he he wasn't quite that guy anymore, and so he had to kind of play his hand a little a little more straight. Even though he still wanted to get to get out, he couldn't just be show up and be an abject disaster because that would impact his next contract. Yeah, for me, much like uh, as uh, I said, I believe in our controversial discussion which we failed to prepare for of movie sequels a a few months back right number two much like emperor empire strikes back was my favorite here because it really had everything it had him getting pissed off at at Kyrie. it had him leaving a situation that you're like i can't believe it would come to this point that he would ever want to leave here like he had just been offered this crazy long contract that he didn't take and uh, there was this super team aspect of it like you're thinking really probably up until the moment that he started to want out uh, that they could still be a championship favorite so that was breaking up the best team but also like the involvement of ben simmons and harden and Kyrie, and just one of the the sickest triangles in nba history and harden just finding his way out and i thought actually his mail-in in sacramento a few years ago was beyond even anything that he did in houston uh although certainly having the added ammunition of violating the covid protocols uh, early in camp was was something that was pretty impressive but i i just felt like when you look at the absolute highest level of his performance art to me uh episode two remains the standard but i i could certainly see some people liking the original too you know it's, you, you can never go back to that again but the third one had the ewoks and they were really cute <laughs> Who is who is the Ewoks in this story? Is it uh, the, the guys he got traded? All these guys he got traded for from uh, it's Furcon Corkmaz wondering how yeah. he's still in Philadelphia when half his team got traded in the Harden deal. Well, uh, Daryl Morey was very excited by Kenyon Martin Jr.'s Ewok-sized cap hold next offseason. <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's a really interesting part of this. Is like, which avenue do you think Philadelphia is going to end up picking? Are are they going are they going to try to make? I, I'm sure they'll try, but are they are they really going to make a trade within this calendar year, or are they are they actually going to go ahead and try to be a cap room team in 2024? Yeah, it's a, and because yeah, teams don't really change by a free agency that much anymore now Gerald Murray might just think hey you know what like if maybe Tyrese Maxey's so good he can be the second best player on a championship team and we'll just build this like unbelievably deep team because we cannot bid I mean look what we got on the minimum market for Kelly Oubre like you can get some great bargains in free agency these days guys that we undervalue that we can overspend the next best offer by a million or two and just have this great deep team around and beat and Maxey like maybe that's the uh, where that's kind of the fallback you know maybe like someone like OG and in free agency could be part of that plan but it's uh yeah i I really wonder where this is going to end up so let's start with this from philly's perspective because as much as like oh james harden haha he always wants out philly was the one who really drove this they acquired james harden what were we saying the moment they got him was like well okay good job You, you got rid of this ben simmons guy who wasn't playing and wow what a disaster he's been after that but isn't james harden gonna require like this huge mega max extension that he would had been offered by the nets a, a mere months before and philly was like now nah, you know what actually we're not gonna go that route and we're not gonna make contact with him early we're gonna kind of negotiate hard we're gonna try to back james into a corner here in free agency and james rebelled and i think he we'll see whether he comes out a winner but probably you don't even know if philly was gonna offer him more than one guaranteed year so you see where philly ended up now how did they do relative to the road not terrible that everyone thought they would just be going down here of just i mean i don't think they would have had to go a full four-year max with james harden or something like that but paying harden for another couple of years and just having him on their team this year and, and going forward presumably past this year they better or worse off which of those uh do you think would have left them in a better position right now i think they might be better off because they they have a chance at least to get to a higher place than i think they would have with harden for the next two to three years and it's it's a close call it is but i i just wonder about him as a as a lead ball handler in the postseason you see his role with the clippers is going to be a little different so it's it's a Mm -hmm. different situation there maybe but as as the guy you were counting on to drive your offense in a seven game series i just i don't think he was that guy anymore so i think re-stirring the pot a little in Philadelphia is is the right move. I mean, let's say Harden was there. Are they as good as Boston or Milwaukee? I don't think so. No, no. Uh, no so. Nor, uh, yeah. Now, Denver, maybe they might have matched up a little bit differently against just because they had Embiid to go against Jokic. Like, that could have been interesting. But I don't think they would have been better than, uh, most likely, than whoever was coming out of the West either. I think they would have really, it really would have taken a lot for them to win a championship. Yeah. I mean, the, and the year before, I mean, they got smoked by Miami. Let's not forget about them. Um, smoke. By yeah, <laughs> and so I, 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 I do think sort of this wild card direction it increases variance, right? It could could be worse, it could be better, but 
I think playing playing this out with Harden on a contract that was definitely going to provide diminishing returns. I I just don't see how that end game ended higher than more second round exits. Yeah, and this uh, you could still say the Simmons trade worked out great for them. And you know what? If James Harden had played better in the playoffs these last two years, he probably would have the contract that he wanted right now. Gerald Moore would be like, "Hey, we have a chance. We're good enough here." James was really great in the playoffs. Joel, like he, he sets up Joel. Joel's good. We have a chance for him to be better. Max, he can take a step forward. Like that triumvirate. Yeah, it's not heavy on guard defense by any means, but like we could just be such an explosive offense. We'll be completely unstoppable. And like we, we are a tier one, A1 championship contender. And if they were that this year, I think James Harden would have had the contract offer that maybe it wouldn't have been a max, but it would have been enough where he would have been totally happy there. And he felt betrayed, but it all just comes back to the fact that he wasn't good enough. And that's Daryl Morey, I think rightly was like, all right, you know, like we're willing to make you some kind of an offer here. And, you know, who knows? That'll be one of the great mysteries of our time, like what their contract offer to James Harden would have been. James was obviously worried enough that it wasn't going to be any good that uh, he ended up just opting in in part so he could be traded, but also like he rightfully like you're going to be the sphincter to me tightening a little bit when you haven't received any communication by June 29th uh, on <laughs> exactly. what the offer is going to be in this day and age. Yeah, so I think Philly played it correctly to get to the two best years remaining of James Harden. Yes, they didn't get to where they wanted to go, but now they're actually flipping him for value, arguably as much, if not more, than they gave up for him. Oh, no, totally. And they you got off this? of Simmons. They, they started yeah. with Ben Simmons and two first-round picks. They ended up getting off of Simmons' money a year early with the expirings from the Clippers, uh, trading two firsts for what are probably two better firsts, getting two second-round picks, and getting a year and a half of James Harden. Yeah, yeah, and, and two playoffs of James Harden, which is, is what really matters. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good roll of the dice, particularly because the Simmons situation in and of itself was unsalvageable, even more so maybe than the Harden situation. So, yeah, I, I guess the last thing you could say is, did Philly make the right move by moving now, or should they have waited? I don't. I thought there was risk in waiting for Philadelphia because you just didn't know. First of all, what was his impact going to be on the team while he was there? Was he going to torpedo that? Well, not torpedo their season, but just be a nuisance, be in the way, just not not be helpful. And then I think you they presumably understood James Harden's market better than anyone else. There might have only been one team in that market right now. And if that team went away, I think there was a real existential question for the Clippers as to what, or for the Sixers, excuse me, as to what move was even going to be on the table for them. So I thought there was a lot of risk in waiting on this one that didn't exist with the Simmons deal because with with Simmons, they were, they were trying to just use the contract and stuff to get something better than Simmons. So they were waiting for something to come open on another team. This is more the opposite situation where they had a window that was open with another team to make that deal with them that may have gone away and wasn't necessarily going to open anywhere else. So I thought there was much more urgency for them to do this one. And I think that's why uh, they ended up doing the deal they did. I also think there was some urgency for the Clippers. Like there were good reasons this trade happened. Uh, It's a little disappointing, actually. I wish it had happened before the season started because Clippers could have put Jason Preston in it. Sixers could have put Montrezl Harrell in it. Like both teams ended up wasting some money, I think, by not doing this uh, before the season started rather than the first week of the regular season. 
Yeah, and they could, of course, have had a, a camp together as well uh, with all these new pieces. And yeah, I think the Sixers, by doing it now, you at least had some internal leverage of like, oh, maybe he'll come back and play for us. We could find him or whatever, even though I maintained and I was proven correct that James Harden would not play a second for the Sixers this season. And he was doing a fantastic job, I thought, of keeping his money while also being a massive distraction and also making it clear that he would continue to do that, but make it nebulous enough that he could probably still get paid. So at least if you're the Sixers, you can say, well, all right, we're giving you Harden now. Like that helps you more Clippers. Clippers, you feel some urgency. And Woj reported on this too, the idea that, you know, James Harden really helps your ceiling in the regular season. And that's part of the appeal to the Clippers. And also that, yeah, maybe that Clippers offer does actually get worse at the deadline because you know you're the only bidder if philly can't say ah you know we'll hold on to him that's not a good enough deal if you get to the trade deadline it's like yeah. well hey we'll just make our offer even worse right like yeah. like the you trade deadline is you, when, like you said it's yeah. so funny having done this from the team side is that i mean the ta- the trade deadline is when everyone has to show their cards because if, the, if they don't have anything else they end up coming back to you like all right fine we'll do it for two seconds you know so it's it, some of the negotiations end up being pretty hilarious around that point because but it, but normally you get more at the deadline right this was well kind of the can, opposite, can, maybe yeah it can, it can go either way depending on depending on how the conversation is moving but it, it it's just interesting that if 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 you're bluffing you're bluffing you're bluffing like you just three o'clock on feb 8th or whatever you, you have to show your cards or you or you don't have any deal at all and I think if the Sixers got to that point and had to show their cards, they could have been in a position where where the Clippers could have really turned the screws on them. Now, the Clippers, like I said, they had some good reasons to not wait to that point, uh, especially I, I think that I I think they're done with like coasting through regular season and being the five seed I, like that. Yeah. To me, that has been the message from day one in L.A. And I think this trade underscores that. Yeah, I mean, it's real hard to go win a championship uh, with the four seed or the five seed. And yeah, you're not getting the five seed with 44 wins this year in the west like some of these teams look real good right now uh, which is i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more before the end of the show at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But last week, I think it was, I can't remember one of the myriad times that we've discussed this. I think both of us, you correct me if I'm wrong here, were of the opinion that, you know, the Clippers are basically offering the one first rounder and the expirings and Philly wasn't going to accept that. And that neither team really had much impetus to move off of their position at that time. We also, at least I did, felt like the Clippers would want to get an idea of, all right, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, are these guys like actually going to be healthy and effective? what do you think changed because you you noted it too right like why didn't they just do this deal at the start of camp so whether it's from the start of camp to now last week to now why is this deal done now when it wasn't 
in the last four or five weeks? I To me, the biggest thing was that the Clippers saw what they had and liked it. Mm. And so they decided this is worth pushing our chips on and taking the risk in 27 and 28 that we might be giving away high high draft picks then. That, that, that seeing Kawhi out there healthy, seeing PG out there healthy, seeing those guys be able to not have to take days off because and knowing that they needed a th- a third guy there at the very least to re- to realistically contend with with Denver and everyone else like it, it you you do wonder a little bit like Denver still owns them they have no answer for Jokic at all like how does how does that end up looking but maybe Harden can put him in 50 pick and rolls and they just and they just beat him that way so but j- just the, uh, to me watching the clippers even in in preseason like they just looked ready and good and at the ages that Paul George and Kawhi are I think there was this question maybe in Balmer's mind of do I want to keep going down this road paying all this tax for a middling team or do I want to reset after this season and I think he everyone saw what they had and decided it was worth it to try to push in one last time they probably got one more I don't know two-year run in them maybe with with these three guys now they're 34 33 and 32 they all need contracts after yeah. But, well, given the injury history, it'll probably be maybe like, you know, one year's run spread out over two years. <laughs> but yeah, I, I see what you mean. And and everyone is very invested in making this year work financially. You know, I mean, just everyone. Balmer, the team, like this is the year. Like, yeah, yeah. no more of this load management bullshit. Kawhi is a full year removed from the ACL. Like he's going hard, which is a little surprising to me considering he had the offseason surgery on that same troublesome knee. Um, well, so let me ask you this. So you've been in the rooms for these sorts of things. Is it possible to that this option of getting the second first rounder from OKC, which I still don't think we know the protection on, but it ultimately probably isn't going to matter. We'll talk about that. But that this idea of getting the second first rounder from OKC via that 27 pick swap, that that option just wasn't there a bit ago and that they were able to just work it and that option emerged and now it's acceptable to the Sixers and they make the deal that's a possibility yeah obviously obviously we don't know but that certainly that's that's possible that maybe maybe the maybe the Clippers have been trying to drive a harder bargain than that and then and then pulled back and and so the Thunder finally found the terms acceptable uh yeah it it looks like I mean the pick is in 26 it's the it's the least valuable of the Thunders the Rockets or the Clippers um and we don't know if there's uh, the Rockets is protected one through four. We don't know if the Clippers portion has any protection beyond that. Uh, I guess is the only yeah, mystery. I, I think it was reported that it was. Uh, okay. Although I, I, guess, I guess the trade has not actually been made official yet as of the last time I checked thirty minutes ago. But uh, yeah, but but I guess I mean basically that Clippers protection probably doesn't come into play uh, unless it's like you know all of those picks are in the top ten or something, which seems exceedingly unlikely, particularly given the way. OKC looks uh, at this point in time. Yeah. So yeah, for right. for, OK, for OKC, it's a really interesting trade actually because they're they're basically trading a first round pick for a swap. So they may be trading a first round pick for nothing, right? But it seems unlikely. OKC is saying we're going to be good in 27. We're guessing the Clippers won't be, and we have a chance to go jackpot in the 27 draft, even though we're really good uh, via this pick swap. 
And if you look at the ages on the Clipper roster, what they did was made a lot of sense, basically kicking the can down the road one year on their Clipper opportunity. Well, here's the other thing, too, for OKC. They're probably going to have, they did a very similar thing in 24 of just trading away the worst of what could possibly be three picks this year. We'll see on that top 10 Utah protected. We'll see on that Houston top four protected. But then 2026 is very similar, right? I mean, this is, they already have three picks then. They're going to just have so many first rounders coming off their ears. So to actually say, hey, we're going to take, we'll take one of these first rounders off of our ledger and we're not adding another first we're just potentially improving our first the following year when in 2027 by the way they also have a denver first uh, that's top five protected so it wouldn't surprise me even if that swap is the worst of okc clippers and denver in 2027 when we get all the details on it as well Mm -hmm. so i mean they have so many of these picks that it's like it makes sense to and i support them doing it this way as opposed to the let's trade for 34 and 36 for 32 to just let's try to find (laughs) one individual pick that is going to have more upside and let's just put another iron in the fire that way as opposed to just having more overall picks at the draft time i mean i think that's maybe they learned from that of like hey there's when you're in this position at draft time you have so many picks you can't even use them like you end up having to overpay for a move like that they're like trade up three years ahead of time basically yeah but yeah i thought i thought that was a pretty good move by okc to get in on this and particularly because they already had that clippers pick this now kind of enables at least uh, philly to bet against the clippers as well and then uh, i guess and we'll talk more about what these two teams are on the floor in a second but both these teams still kind of have well let's, let's talk about that for a second let's talk about what the clippers are on the floor now and then what they have to go and get something else if they need to I guess one reason not to like it as much, and this slipped past me when I was talking to Danny, is there's apparently also a 29 pick swap involved. Maybe there's some protection on that, but they did kind of trade away another three years of their future. Uh, Perhaps they're calculating that Philly isn't going to be any good (laughs) by then either. We'll see. So I I guess the question is then, is this worth it for the Glivers? Like, how good are they actually on the floor? That is... The literally hundred million dollar question because that's going to be the luxury tax bill, right? I they took three they took three dead money contracts basically or or near dead certainly and turned it into a all star near all star caliber guard. I think one of the biggest things with the Clippers is that they just have been plagued by a lack of good passing uh, and Harden obviously is a cure for that. Uh, however, positionally, maybe not ideal because he's so ball dominant, needs it in his hands uh, and Kawhi tends to play that way and Paul George tends to play that way. Now, Paul George could be an awesome floor spacer for the other two guys, so that's probably less of a worry. It's how how do you get Harden and Kawhi interplay? Can you can you have Kawhi be a screener? Can, can he function well in that role? Can, uh, you know, are there other little wrinkles that Ty Lue can put in. Uh, And then I think the other interesting piece of this is that I don't think either team is done yet. Everyone in this trade can be aggregated in another deal before the trade deadline because it happened early enough. So uh, you wonder. Yeah, it it happened before Omer Ashik, uh, Omer Ashik Memorial trade aggregation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Since Daryl is involved. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, 
No, I, I, ha- I have to laugh at, at the Rockets, uh, excuse me, at the Sixers and Daryl doing this deal before the aggregation uh, uh, deadline, so to speak, because every year they'd be calling everyone in the league, trying to like basically trying to set up a fake trade, de- trade deadline of the aggregation deadline and, and trying to get a, trying to get deals done by the aggregation date. And I think most of the teams they called were like, yeah, yeah, actually, we don't really care that much about this deadline. Uh, yeah. But the Rockets certainly did. So that was entertaining. Um, so yeah, every, everyone in this deal can be uh, moved on again, which obviously with the guys the Sixers got, I think helps because they can aggregate those deals different ways. And then this is the last year you can do that, remember, if you're a tax team. So I think for both the Clippers and the Sixers, this deal is going to be impossible next year. I think yeah. this is... Well, or another. if you're a second apron team, we should... Yeah, say. certainly with the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, this type of move, we've seen it with some of these other teams. They're trying to get in before the buzzer almost uh, on blockbuster deals like this because they're not going to be able to do it uh, once the teeth of the CBA really hit these second apron teams uh, in June of 24. So I still don't know how good this team actually is. Is it a conference finals team? Is it good enough to beat Phoenix? I mean, they they won game one in Phoenix a year ago. I'm sure they probably look at that and say, if when you know when we have Pete Kawhi, we can be we can play with anybody as long as we amass enough regular season wins to get like a halfway decent seed. So I'm I'm sure they're looking at that. I I still think I I still don't know what their answer is to genuine size. And, you know, I I don't think P.J. Tucker at this point is viable as a small ball five the way he was in Houston. I, I just, I don't see that as an end game. I think too many teams now have decided to completely disregard him in the corner and he just can't make them pay anymore. Um, but you can still do stuff with that contract with Zubats with other guys if they want to go out and get a get another big a better big I, they don't have a lot of draft assets they still do have Bones Highland uh, who probably isn't going to be playing much anymore um, so they still have some things they can do and it's so it's going to be interesting to see the next move for both Philadelphia and the Clippers that was the thing I wrote about today that that next move is probably the thing that determines how quote-unquote successful each of these sides are yeah so in terms of assets, the Clippers have left in the kitty here. They've got a 2030 first. Doesn't sound like they have their 29 swap to move anymore, though they could do the uh, swap down even further Phoenix move to maybe but you, know, you pick up some seconds there. You know, they've got uh, Kobe Braun, who is their first rounder this year. They kept out of this deal. And of course, the greatest trade asset in NBA history, Terrence Mann, who it might be get you a first here as well. Three firsts, so, come on. So they did a lot. And, and he's important to them too because they need someone who's going to be able to guard the ball and, and play some transition as well so i'm not saying he necessarily needs to be moved but you're uh, let me react to one more thing i want to ask you, you know, kind of what you think they need i think pj tucker might be one of the better guys i would want actually guarding nikola Jokic. uh now as you noted he's getting a little older and you know how much is he going to be respected in the corner but he'll at least stand there and harden if anyone knows how to use him reasonably well like i don't think that like pj tucker's inability to shoot is is why the Sixers lost that series last year to Boston. Like I thought he was good enough and maybe he's not going to play as much, but I, like he actually can kind of get underneath opposing
using post players like an AD. I think he could guard an AD pretty well. Also, if you need to kind of go one-on-one and then in that Murray-Jokic game, maybe he can switch on to Murray at least a little bit. Now, again, like he could just be done. He's the second oldest player in the NBA. That, that wouldn't shock me. But I, I kind of understand that like he can give them something there. I, I'm, Or at least has a chance to give them something. So I, I think they're better equipped now to deal with a, a Jokic or an AD than they were before. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But from your perspective, then, we talked about what their assets are. Like, they got enough to go get another significant piece if they wanted to. What sort of, like, what is their biggest need to you at this point, then? To me, uh, I think they need a, a, a big that they trust in a playoff game. I, I just don't think they can do this shit with five smalls. And, and So and Zubats is not that guy to you? I don't think Zubats is that guy. Uh, so th- what's wrong with him? It's not that he's terrible. It's just that the, the bar goes up and, and as you get in a playoff series and it sort of excludes him as, as you go on where he's, I, I mean, he can't not, play 20 minutes a game. I think, I think you play 20 minutes a game. I think they're, I mean, what's happened in the other 28, you're playing like Kawhi no, at five, I, I agree, or yeah. Tucker at five, or I, I guess I don't have a lot of belief in that. Uh, I, I also think, I mean, they're going to have to rejigger some things. I don't like Russell Westbrook as as the fourth starter with these other three guys. I think it would be completely misused, right? You, you want somebody who's got like a yo, low usage sniper yeah. playing with Harden, Leonard, and Paul George. You, the last thing you want is Russell Westbrook. I, I he, Like he has to come off the bench, right? There, there's no way they can continue with him as a starter. Uh, well, I, I'm guessing they're going to at least try it. Like, like this is one of those things where they're going to need to at least prove that it's not working before they change it. I would be very surprised if he and James Harden are not starting together the first game that they play together. Wow. It's obviously insane, but yeah. uh, given Russ's inability to shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, my thought on what they need, I think they just need more shooting. And I think because you have James Harden, now you're really kind of forced to switch a lot. And they have PJ Tucker is a great fit with them to do that. Also in some minutes, Kawhi PG in theory can do some of that. Now, can you do that against Nikola Jokic? It's not going to be great, but you're not going to stop Nikola Jokic anyway. And so that's why I think they need more shooting. Like their offensive upside to me just isn't quite high enough against Denver. And maybe James Harden can just be that much, that good of a passer. Like certainly that top three is good enough from an offensive upside standpoint to keep up with Denver. But I think you, you're, they're just not going to generate enough three pointers and make enough for the math to work out for them. I don't think unless they get more shooting on this roster somehow. Bring back Luke Kennard. <laughs> but obviously that guy also needs to be able to defend and switch a little bit. So I, I think, <laughs> like to me, they're looking for Nikola Batum and Marcus Morris from three years ago. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's what they're and looking that's, for. I mean, that's the real problem with, with what happened with the Clippers, right? Like all these guys, Batum, Morris, Covington, like they just aren't the guys they were. I think Covington, the six, Sixers may be able to recycle some value there, but still. Like, you they, don't think Batum? B- Batum, you think he's done? Yeah. Uh, what level of done? Like, you know, can he be the yeah, eighth or I mean, ninth, eighth or ninth the same best role. player on? You know, sure. Like, I think he actually 
could be their closing power forward possibly like I, he can't play that many minutes but like he shoots it well enough they desperately need some more passing uh, again you just you never know with these old guys like is this the year that they're done i thought he had some like pretty good moments in that utah game when he was playing small ball five there and, and quite frankly that's what tyloo wants to do in the end uh so i i think to try to get there is what they need to do i mean especially you know if they go up against the warriors like do you really like is Avica zubats gonna help you that much against them like you know probably not right so you're uh i think they do need to come up with a way to switch defensively and just get a little more shooting on the floor and that's sort of that combo forward type of guy and they do have the ammo to go get someone like that we'll see who it is hey uh uh norm powell for jeremy grant send <laughs> <laughs> it back to portland that would be funny uh, i mean jeremy grant i think would be like a pretty nice fit with what these guys are doing although another guy who probably wants the ball more than he should but yeah it's yeah. A, like this is all going to be fascinating the russ harden thing in particular is going to be absolutely fascinating uh but yeah i mean i guess so if you're you're trading away apparently three years of your draft are the only one actual pick you do that if you think you have a chance to your view does this team have a chance to actually win it I mean, they have a chance of some kind. Do they have a? <laughs> are, are they? Are they truly? Are they truly in tier A? Well, well let's um, let's. We're gonna we're making the assumption. This is what will make the assumption, right? Because okay. the injuries, yeah, you know, you, you're you're concerned about that. Like odds are, one of these three guys is not gonna be fully healthy in the playoffs and and effect. But let's we'll say, all right, you get the James Harden from last year, and you get the way Kawhi and PG have looked this year, and you get this team. Maybe you can make another smaller move. Like, is that? Do you, do you, that's not a favorite, right? But that's no, that's a team but that is could, it a, is it could a, do it? Is it a puncher's chance? I think maybe it is just because Kawhi, like even in game one of that Phoenix series last year, he just kicked their ass. Like the peak version of Kawhi is still still yeah. a guy who could win a playoff series by himself, right? So Yeah. Now so can he win four? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's We're question, right? but yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but maybe so, you won't have to, too. And also, he doesn't need to win four by himself. If you get a high enough seed, that maybe your your first round series, at least, are not going to be too bad. The other underlying question here is you are also doing a move like this, presumably, to try to get a window of more than one year. And potentially, all three guys are free agents. Like, how do the Clippers navigate the extensions slash 2024 offseason uh, to, you know... Not ha- completely hamstring themselves, not get murdered by the uh, yeah. by being over the second apron for the next three yeah. years. Like, it, how how do they deal with that? So yeah, I, I guess they are in fact all in, and I mean they are going to have to have some hard conversations just because of the strictures of the second apron. Now they could be in the second apron for two more years, and then not the, similar to the Celtics, and then not really face the consequences. Similar to the Suns, not really face the consequences until uh, twenty six, twenty seven. Potentially they'll face the repeater tax, but Balmer doesn't care. They just added thirty million in, into their tax bill with this deal. Uh, yeah, so so I mean I'm I hope to see it. Like I hope to see Kawhi and PG healthy I hope to finally see this Clippers team be a factor and be healthy and I think also being able to keep the mileage off of PG and Kawhi during the regular season will be good but I also at the end of games like I don't and in the playoffs I think this group is kind of less than the sum of their parts like Seth wrote about that today yeah. and you know if we if we had if they were like more of a connector you know if Harden were kind of more of a connector like not someone who dominated the ball as much was a little more comfortable shooting off the ball then maybe I'd feel like slightly better about this team just being like 
crazy ceiling on offense but if they're going to play russ they're going to play a big center like you're not going to get to that 2021 level of clippers offense where there's you know everybody's shooting 41 percent from three and they're you know they're actually scoring at a a rate that's similar to like what the nuggets can achieve yeah it's going to be really interesting i still there's some in-season work that still has to happen i think and you know once december 15 or jan 15 hits and the and these guys become trade eligible uh even some of the guys they signed in the offseason you know, maybe Russ, for example, uh, maybe Plumley. Uh, th- you know, that opens up some other directions too. It's going to be really interesting to see what what they end up doing and what their April roster looks like. As much as they talk about doing this for regular season wins, I think they all still have to look at their April roster and say it it it's not quite right. It doesn't fit. I mean, especially when you compare it to like Denver, where the starting five is just this mesh that's absolutely perfect, and they're just clowning people again out of the game. and the Clippers are still pretty far from that yeah I think you're right about that um Philly wise I asked Danny this I'm guessing because of the way that you're characterizing Batum and Covington you're gonna say no but is there a possibility that the Sixers are actually better as a playoff team right now than they would have been if they had just brought back James Harden a a happy-ish James Harden this year uh I can't no I can't say that I mean Harden won them game one in Boston last year I I, yeah I I I could I couldn't say that I just I just don't think these guys are gonna give you enough in a in a high-level playoff game yeah now I guess we'll see once they make another move if in fact they do that Uh, I mean Maxi looks great so far and Bede it seems like he hasn't missed a beat either they've got at least some more depth with these guys and we'll see you know nick batum like he we've seen uh disengaged nicola batum is not quite hardened level but we've definitely <laughs> seen that uh, before he go he goes to the he went to the boris dia uh school of being in charlotte uh, yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely and then he yeah. go, gets to la and he's a really good player again so we'll see how motivated he is and what's supposed to be his final season as well and you know marcus morris i think is probably cooked and Covington, like Covington Batum do in theory fill a role for these guys. And uh, you know, they the Sixers didn't have enough usage for Maxi, Harden, and Embiid. I think it's maybe more in the regular season, not having a backup point guard and Maxi's probably gonna lead the league in minutes, he could wear down, etc. But you know, I, I mean if James Harden, like here's the thing. Okay, you can say maybe they'd be better with James Harden, but if James Harden is gonna shoot 25%, in theory, he's a good player. He has some latent value with how he draws the defense and stuff but aren't you better off just giving those possessions to anybody than yeah. you know to James Harden in these in this year's playoffs like I think there's an argument for that mm-hmm. I, I realize he did win them those two playoff games in the Boston series and he was good in the net series too so but at the absolute highest level I don't know that another year of mileage is gonna make James Harden turn into a playoff killer all of a sudden and he's he's going to you're relying on him so like, like you yeah. said at the very beginning like what's behind door number two is something I understand why they're eager to explore uh yeah what the hell are they doing though like this cap space thing trade like do you i mean we don't need to get into like that specific but just generally kind of what options might be available to them they are going to have over 60 million in cap space as of right now next off season they will be hard pressed to get to like a true two max slots unless the cap goes up maybe more than anticipated i think they still can't even get there i wonder if they're so, going to try to trade for a bunch of low cap hold guys 
<laughs> you know, oh, and then wow. re- re-sign them all in the summer and and end up crazy expensive. But you know, that's that that's one way to to get yourself to an expensive roster in, in this league now, even with the new CBA. And then once those guys are signed, you, you can't aggregate, but you could you could trade down in salary, even though you can't trade up. So it's sort of it sort of still gives them trade flexibility at that point. So I'm I'm, I'm interested to see if that's something they try doing. If if Plan A of like trade the picks and Tobias Harris and expirings and whatever for uh for a star player doesn't come to pass. That is interesting. And they and they could potentially be the second team ever to use the room exception, but also be in the, tax in the luxury that year. tax. Yeah. yeah. Twenty fifteen yeah. Cleveland, I believe, is the first team to ever do that. Anything else you got on this one? I don't think so. I, I think I think I'm I think I'm tapped out. Well, I'm sure we'll uh convene here next year for the new hardened trade. <laughs> exactly. And anything we didn't get to, I'm sure we could talk about next year when he, James James Harden is yeah. traded to Utah in January of 26 or whatever. Yeah, or some sign and trade when he doesn't doesn't get the contract offer he wants. Oh yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. That, that could be it. Maybe there will be another Harden trade that's still worth talking about uh, on this program. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What do you got from early season here? We got like 10 minutes. What's uh, on your mind? Anything that's really stood out to you for good or for ill? Teams, players? early on you know the usual caveats apply but you know, enough enough to where you think hey yeah this could actually be significant this isn't some early season blip we'll we'll do our like time to panic later but yeah what do you got? um i want to uh i wrote about this a little already but i mean jalen duran in detroit i mean just he looks fantastic uh he hurt his ankle the other night so we'll see when he's back in the lineup unfortunately but to, to me he's like that that rim running shot blocking dominating around the paint five that you know that that classic guy in that role but then he's a really good passer too um and i I think he's shown a lot of those flashes i think it's really made detroit uh much more interesting than they otherwise would have any right to be let's say this year so uh interested to see how that works works out with the pistons over the course of the year because his first three games were just awesome and he's 19 yeah yeah Part of the reason I was a little lower on him was I didn't see him as that much beyond that rim running type of center. Now he does have some more ball skills and he is young, right? Maybe Bam Adebayo would be your kind of hopeful comp for him if everything breaks right. Although he's got more size even than Adebayo does. He doesn't move his feet like that, but nobody does really. So because I was like, all right, I I don't believe that he's going to have like some big shooting range. Is he really going to be like a post up threat? But he just put up he's so active around the rim and so athletic that rebounding finishing around the rim like he's got a higher usage than some of these you know your tyson chandler sort of sort of guys you know like Derek lively has been 
compared to him. Uh, but you know, Duran finds a way to kind of create more, maybe more along the lines of like a DeAndre Ayton offensively. Maybe he could kind of get to that level, but actually get into the foul line and maybe be better than him. So I'm not sure that I'm like oh like future all star here. And yeah, it has only been three games as well. I, I'll now that uh, he's getting so hyped, I'll have to like really lock in on what I think of him defensively. But you noted he doesn't even turn 20 until a, a few weeks from now. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Charlotte looks like dog shit. That's, uh, I mean, yeah. obviously there's the Bridges thing, but it, there's just this idea. I mean, people were like, oh, maybe they can bounce back this year. Like they're the number six offense with kind of similar personnel two years ago. Nah, I'm not buying that at all. I think they're just pretty clearly going to be bad. Are they over or under 30? I don't know. I took the under, but this idea that like, oh, maybe this is like a play, you know, play in type of team in disguise. Like, all right, maybe they'll defend better and, and Steve Clifford will get them to play hard and maybe they can get into like the low 30s and wins that way but i think it's i already feel pretty confident that their offense is just not going to be good enough and you know their third guard is teo maladon right now as they desperately await the return of frank nilakina sure sure not not signing any guards this is sort of fascinating right yeah and, and they're always like <laughs> pj washington at center really juiced the offense two years ago it doesn't seem like clifford wants to go that way either so they're always gonna have a big center on the floor they're shooting is not really good enough uh i will see whether miles bridges ever plays for them again i don't uh, based on what i know now i don't think he should and that yeah. that is a, a big blow so yeah I, I think that's that one is like ah, eh, these guys aren't aren't gonna be too good this year like I, I had Brooks some intrigue I, about them yeah option declined today Wow. It's always super what a- awkward. Like you keep the guy in the roster for the rest of the year. I, I don't understand well, why they didn't just cut him. Well, maybe, I mean, he's injured right now. So maybe that's a reason to not just cut him. He can be matching salary. And also they have plenty of headroom to re-sign him if he does maybe play a little bit better the rest of the year. Like he will have chances given how miserable their guard depth is. So maybe there's a chance he turns the corner and you can just re-sign him again, you know, even though you're limited to what it would have been like six million or something next year. The court- I, I have a feeling if they want, yeah. I have a feeling if they wanted to bring them back, six million probably be enough. So you're not anticipating a bidding war. Yeah, Uh, I mean, Kai Jones they cut because of the the issues he was having. That that one made more sense. Uh, Yeah. What else you got here? Let's do like two more. Uh, Worried about my Grizzlies. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I I thought. uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously they're they're missing guys, right? Adams is gone for the year. Morant's out 25 games. They've had no Kennard, no Santi Aldama. Uh, did Kennard play the first game? Excuse me. No Santi Aldama so far. Uh, and so it's really pushed into their depth. I thought uh, Chris Harrington uh, from uh, Memphis made a really good point. Uh, the fact that Xavier Tillman was even in a position to go three for 14 from the field against Dallas. is like kind of a red flag, right? <laughs> Yeah, like they're yeah, just. I, I would. He's 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 in a role that's just you know way way bigger than than what he can do. They've they've actually had kind of decent production from Bain, Smart, and Jackson, but they just haven't gotten anything from the other guys. The the three draft picks they put their you know they invested in. We look at Zaire Williams, David Roddy, and Jake Laravia. And the decision to trade Melton for Roddy, essentially, I mean that that one really stings right now when their when their depth is so compromised and they need they need those guys to contribute and they're just not getting it from them right now. Yeah, I, I mean, what if this team had DeAnthony Melton and Trey Murphy the third on it? They had Melton on their team. They traded him for Roddy. Trey Murphy the third. They could was have had the number seventeen of pick. 
yeah. that they yeah. traded up. They traded, they did the yep. Adams for Valentino swap, which actually I think was an upgrade for what they were looking for. Yeah. And of course yeah. it's a huge blow. There's no ad, but yeah. But they also took on like $20 million of Eric Bledsoe in that deal to move up seven slots and take a way worse player. Like that's just a killer. Yeah. 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 Never move up. <laughs> but the the Grizzlies had actually gotten a lot of mileage from moving up. I mean, they got they got Bain and Clark no, and Tillman via right. yeah. move up trades. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I was kidding on that, but it's. Yeah, and they, they've had some good draft moments, obviously, too, right? I mean, like, getting Bane at 30 is worth basically every other flub that you could possibly have. But Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, maybe they got a little high on their own supply with the Roddy thing and the Melton Yeah, thing. it was like, the hot, like, it was like well, the hot hand theory, but, but for the draft, right? Yeah, yeah it's like, well, how are we going to re-sign Melton two years from now? Yeah, he's on a good contract. He's a rotation player, but... Uh, yeah. But anyway, it's yeah, I think it's just going to be a real struggle for them to score, and they're going to need to win games defensively. But outside of Jackson and Tillman and Smart, they don't really have like good defensive players at this point. Like, they'll be better than I think they have been. But it does sort of they've had some pretty desolatory, like losing on the road to an atrocious Washington team, for yeah. example. Yeah. You can't feel good about that. Yeah. They got blown out in that game too. They only made it close late in pseudo garbage time. All right, let me see what my last one is. Golden State looking pretty darn good. Uh, Chris Paul, to me, uh, now Golden State has some issues. Draymond got to work back into shape. Andrew Wiggins isn't where he needs to be right now. But their depth pieces look really good. Peyton looks really good. I think Sharich will will help them. He might have to get minimized in the playoffs. Uh, Kaminga, Moody, like those guys look like the you know very solid second unit type of players who can also step into the starting group. But really, it comes down to me, to Chris Paul, because... I thought he just looked compromised physically all last year. Like he just wasn't getting any lift on that mid ranger. And last night against New Orleans, like Steph went crazy, but Chris also was like looking really good. Like he's getting separation. He's getting a shot off. He's getting to the rim some as well. And like he just adds another great passer to their group. But the biggest thing is just the math of it, right? Like Golden State, it was like, well, okay, they're going to be a plus 10 with Steph Curry on the floor, but then you can get six of those points back when he goes out of the game. And now for them to actually be a plus with those groups and to actually have an offensive theory of Chris Paul running pick and roll and for him to actually be good enough that they're generating good shots with that like just the math of that where it's like oh wait a minute like now these guys are like you know winning these games by 10 when it used to be close down the end because like they're winning those minutes that's just massive now the other shoe could drop in terms of Paul getting injured or wearing down and same thing with Steph you know him playing at this level all season for a 36 year old would be basically unprecedented but it's uh it's looking pretty darn good early here they just gotta if they can kind of make it through to the end and get all their guys playing at a high level I think they could be right there yeah the impressive start for Golden State without a doubt I think uh, Moody has really uh stuck out to me as a guy as a guy who seems so far at least has been a lot better than a year ago uh I was expecting Kaminga to blow up a little bit he's been you know a little up and down maybe but I do like that they're staying with it you know and, and with with both those guys that that Kerr is trusting them in a way that he maybe didn't a year ago so that and Steph of course is the whole thing uh He's playing at a very high level as well. So good good start there. I think that cements the idea. I mean, at least watch it. We've seen one week, so whatever. But that that maybe they have another run in them. And I think also 
I'm not even going to tell you that Denver isn't the favorite because they've looked unbelievable too. I mean, that's probably another takeaway that like, you know, they look like they're headed for like 60 wins, if not more, as long oh as they can stay healthy. They, and, did you see yeah. the OKC game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I watched that game because we did their game for uh, League Pass last night. So I wanted to make sure I saw their okay. game previous to that. Yeah, yeah, that was just a clinical dissection. Like, I didn't even think OKC was like playing that bad. And <laughs> they just like, they yeah. couldn't do anything against him. Like, it was, yeah. And also, exactly. I think if you want to talk about benches that are working, same thing as with Golden State, even more so with Denver. They were a negative 10 when Jokic was off the floor last year. You just get that to even close to even. And yeah. now you're like blowing everybody out by 15 every game because they're always going to be plus double digits when Jokic is on the floor if the last two years are any indication. Yeah, I mean, Peyton Watson has looked really good. If he could be a breakout guy for them, that makes such a difference. And then Reggie Jackson at least being halfway decent, I think is really yeah. good too. Right, yeah, that that's a big thing of just him getting back to what you thought he might be for them last year it has been totally like, oh, I can't believe they used the, the tax me level on him. Well, he's playing totally worth that at this yeah. point in time. So, I mean, the West might be back, man. This Harden trade, Clippers look good, and Lakers are struggling a little bit. You know, that might be, like, I, I would probably Austin them... Reeves got pulled in the fourth quarter, two two games in a yeah. row. He, he can't yeah. get out of his own way right now. It's really weird. That's actually another little thing is who, who played in the FIBA World Cup looks good right now. Like, Jordan Clarkson looks like shit right now for the Jazz. Like, he, he can't, like, even get his floater off in the lane. Like, Reeves, I don't, like, Anthony Edwards, has started pretty slow jaron jackson doesn't look great i guess halliburton would be the one guy he's been pretty good so yeah. far um so i mean again that's that could just be a little small sample aberration laurie mark yeah i mean the west yeah yeah so i i think uh you know in phoenix we haven't seen their group uh, together yet i guess maybe the other thing too is bad teams are still gonna bad <laughs> Like the Spurs, like, oh, maybe they could be frisky. Ah, uh, well. That, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, so uh, I watched them against the Clippers uh, a couple nights ago. That I mean, that offensive performance was so bad in the in the first half. They, it was like 37 points, 15 turnovers. They're trying to play Sohan at point guard. I... I don't think he has any point guard in him at all. Like I, I just, I just don't really see it. Well, but you would think they'd be able to defend. They haven't been able to do that either, right? Like yeah. you think, like if you just look at that raw talent, like yeah, it's you, some young guys, but like you got rangy wings, you got Victor. You're playing Victor next to a center who, in theory, has some room protection chops in Zach Collins, and you've got your point guard six eight who was drafted for his defense, and like they're just getting destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that yeah. that was that was some rough rough viewing. Even, even with the treat of like Victor occasionally doing some cool stuff, that was that was hard on the eyes, man. I'm interested. I'm actually going in two days uh, to Phoenix to see uh, the Spurs play Phoenix. So uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about what I'm going to see out there. Yeah, and they trail by 18 to the Suns uh, without Booker or Beal. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're playing. That's right. right they're, yeah, they're playing as we do this podcast, and I'm going out there for the second game. Right. So that's uh, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think like, you know, and Victor is one of six, oh of three from three with four turnovers right now too. I, like while I think Victor might need to be a little bit more on the Chet plan as far as how he's being used than what they're doing right now. I, I realize that he did this incredible stuff in preseason and he has a lot of this capability. You know, it's not like teams are prepping for him in preseason and that they don't want him to wear down. And there's the example of KD playing the two when he was in his first year in Seattle. But I, I kind of like these guys are just getting scored on left and right at the rim. Like, can you just maybe 
maybe ask the seven five guy to stand around the basket and block some shots every once in a while. Like, like again, I I get that they're playing the long game here, but yeah, like you also could just try to use him a, at least part of the game in the way that he actually can affect winning. Yeah, I'm, I I want to see it in person, but yeah, I'm a I'm a little puzzled by by what's what's happened there so far. I I feel like they should be better than what they've shown. Yeah, I, I mean maybe you also are like well, Pop doesn't have it anymore. Maybe, but the, like their player development has still been pretty good. But yeah, yeah, I mean they had the worst defense in NBA history last year. I always I chalked it up to the tank but maybe the players and the coaching isn't that good maybe but yeah. again we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that in a week or two but that's that's been a take like the fact that they have had these moments of just being completely non-competitive uh i'm not a big fan of that yeah all right well hopefully you are a fan of this podcast you can follow us on youtube if you want to see us make some funny faces at each other's ridiculous arguments uh, you just search Nate Duncan in, or dunked on in your YouTube player. We could, even if you're not going to watch it, would love for you to just subscribe. That would do us a favor. And of course, if you're listening on the free feed, subscribe to Dunked On Prime to get every Hollinger and Duncan, every Dunked On with Danny LaRue. Seth Partner wrote a great piece about the Harden trade today he's writing a few times a week for us dan of course is providing uh his daily wrap-ups in both written and audio form so you're getting a lot of great content everything you need to nerd out about the nba available at dunked on prime we'll talk to y'all next week here in hundred and duncan and very soon on dunked on till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.